From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. you have joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Today's text is found in Psalm 62 and verse 5. My expectation is from him. It is the believer's privilege to use this language. If he is looking for aught from the world, it is a poor expectation indeed. But if he looks to God for the supply of his wants, whether in temporal or spiritual blessings, his expectation will not be a vain one. Constantly he may draw from the bank of faith and get his needs supplied out of the riches of God's loving kindness. This I know, I had rather have God for my banker than all the Rothschilds. My Lord never fails to honor his promises, and when we bring them to his throne, he never sends them back unanswered. Therefore I will wait only at his door, for he ever opens it with a hand of munificent grace. At this hour I will try him anew. But we have expectations beyond this life. We shall die soon, and then our expectation is from him. Do we not expect that when we lie upon the bed of sickness, he will send angels to carry us to his bosom? We believe that when the pulse is faint and the heart heaves heavily, Some angelic messenger shall stand and look with loving eyes upon us and whisper, Sister Spirit, come away. As we approach the heavenly gate, we expect to hear that welcome invitation, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We are expecting harps of gold and crowns of glory, We are hoping soon to be amongst the multitude of shining ones before the throne. We are looking forward and longing for the time when we shall be like our glorious Lord, for we shall see Him as He is. Then, if these be thine expectations, O my soul, live for God. Live with the desire and resolve to glorify Him, from whom cometh all thy supplies, and of whose grace in thy election, redemption, and calling It is that thou hast any expectation of coming glory. 
If anything is obvious in this modern society, it is that people are confused, frightened, and uncertain about the future. Where does one look for the solution to the universal problems of guilt, doubt, and temptation? A number of years ago, Dr. Alan Cairns produced a booklet entitled A New Beginning, which deals with such questions as, How may I have my sins forgiven and my guilt removed? How may I be sure that I possess eternal life and that I am not deluding myself? And how may I enjoy the Christian life and live above constant failure and frustration? Dr. Cairns answers these questions from the Word of God. A new beginning is for inquirers into the nature of the Christian message of salvation and for Christians desiring to gain a good grasp of the first principles of the gospel. It is useful for both personal use and for group study and discussion. For a free copy of A New Beginning, 
You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of A New Beginning, and we'll be happy to provide it. this edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues to present a glimpse of the glory of Christ, taking as his text the account of Christ's transfiguration as recorded in Luke chapter 8. We've seen the importance of this event as it reveals Christ as the only mediator between God and men. As Christ appeared in company with Moses and Elijah, they spoke of his death as an exodus, the fulfillment of the Lord's mission of atonement. When Peter, in his misguided zeal, tried to place the lawgiver and the prophet on the same level as Christ, the Father's voice from heaven announced, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. None but Christ can save souls. Now here is Dr. Cairns with the next portion of A Glimpse of the Glory of Christ. But what do we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15? I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, starting a little earlier, actually. I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also will God bring with him. Why can he say that? How can he say that? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's Moses, if you will. Then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. There you've got your Elijahs. First, the saints who have died, resurrected. Then those who are alive at the time of the coming of Christ, raised with them. Them together as one mighty church rising to meet the Lord in the air as he comes to earth. So shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I don't want to start preaching in 1 Thessalonians 4. But let this be a comfort. You know, sickness and death are real. This congregation has quite a few people at this time who are battling terminal illness or what appears to be terminal illness, or at least what is very, very serious, a very serious medical condition. We have it in our families. We have it among our friends. Some of you young people uh, think it's all very remote. 
But let me tell you, the older you get, the more it hits home. Those who are younger than you die off. Those who are older than you die off. And every day you will hear the footsteps of the grim huntsman on your pathway. Death is real. We say we'll pray about you because you're sick. And the idea always seems to be we're going to pray that you'll get better. Well, you know, sometimes that's not going to happen. If the Lord always made us better, we would never die. But we're going to die. If the Lord doesn't come first, we're going to die. So it's not always, Lord, make them better. There is something more important than that. Whether we live or die, Lord, give us the comfort of our glorious Christ. Give us the absolute assurance that if I die, I'm going to be with Christ, which is far better. I'm going to be with Christ. Give me that assurance, not just as an article of belief, not just as a theory of theology, but as a personal, living, vital, joyous assurance. The old Methodists used to talk about dying well. Dying well. That's what we need. I pray constantly that the Lord will let me die well. I ask the Lord with regularity that he be with me in life, that he be with me if I have to face sickness, that he fulfill his word and make my bed in sickness. And if I come to the last article of death, that he will be with me in that hour and carry me through with the assurance. That's something to pray about. Most people when they're dying are drugged. One of the side effects of most drugs is deep depression. Darkness that can be felt. And yet to be without them is to be in such an agony of body that the darkness is even worse. We need supernatural grace and power. And I tell you, it is just as much a mighty answer to prayer for God to penetrate all that and give his people the comforting, joyous assurance. I'm going to be with Christ. And when Jesus comes, this body will rise again without sickness, without weakness. This body and soul together in perfect sinless enjoyment of Christ to be a partaker of his glory forever that's the assurance if I die it's not the end if I may misappropriate a text that we have read today they feared as they entered into the cloud we always do we always do. Many a time when we're facing sickness, affliction, death, especially when it's only a possibility. It's been my experience that 
when it actually comes, God gives his people the grace to face it. But when it's but a cloud of dark possibility or threat, so many people like these people fear. It's a natural dread, but it's a needless dread. For like them in the cloud, we just need to hear the voice of the Lord. See the person of Christ. The Lord has glory for his people. Oh, that we could comfort one another with these words. The Lord has glory for his people. If you're saved, you're ready to live. If you're saved, you're ready to die. What is death for a Christian? Oh, it is saying goodbye to the things of this world, yes. That causes concern, as none of us likes the thought of leaving wife or husband or children or parents or friends. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But death is not the first installment of hell to a Christian. Death is the opening of the gates of glory. Because Christ's glory is one for all his people. Comfort one another with those words. Consider the conversation these people had on that Mount of Transfiguration. They speak of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They speak of his exodus, which he should fulfill. You see, the death of Christ didn't just happen. You and I don't talk about fulfilling our death, accomplishing our death. To anybody else, death is an ending. Death is the defeat of life. But to Christ, it was very different. There was a purpose in his death, a purpose announced by Moses and the prophets. And here they were speaking with Christ of that subject that is central to the entire word of God, how the Lord Jesus in dying perfectly fulfilled all that he set out to do. He fulfilled everything he set out to do. You see, when the Lord Jesus came into the world, he had a purpose. He had a purpose. He came to purchase his church. He didn't come to purchase a possibility that he might have a church in heaven. He came to purchase that church, to redeem that church, to save that church. What is that church? It's made up of all who believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's not a Presbyterian church, at least in name. Though, mind you, it has presbyters get to heaven, and you'll find the whole church is represented by the four and twenty presbyters. But it's not a Presbyterian church. It's not a Baptist church, though they've all been baptized into the body of Christ. It's not a denominational church. It's not a Romish church. It is the true 
universal church made up not of rich or poor or educated or illiterate. It's made up of sinners saved by grace who by faith and repentance have laid hold of Christ as he's freely offered to them in the gospel. That's the church he came to see. And I have news for you. Not one of them will be in hell. Not one. The devil may be there to trip them up. The hounds of hell may attend their entrance to the waters of the Jordan of death to tell them they'll never make it to the other side. They'll drown in death and hell forever. But Satan and his hounds are liars, for Jesus Christ has fulfilled all that he set out to do in his death. His death is the greatest success story in history. The absolutely greatest success story in history. He fulfilled it. He accomplished it. And that's why on the cross he cried, It is finished. Finished. Complete. Perfect. The salvation purchased by Christ. I have referred to the confusion of the disciples. And I don't want to take much time on this except to say that Peter's ignorant suggestion, let us build here three tabernacles, just shows how difficult it is for even for good men to grasp the simple but essential nature of the gospel. Peter had just confessed, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here, a week later, seeing the glory of Christ, he says, in effect, we'll have a tabernacle for you, we'll have a tabernacle for Moses, we'll have a tabernacle for Elijah. He didn't grasp. Jesus had fulfilled all of Moses and all of Elijah and the prophets. He had fulfilled them. They had their meaning. They had their significance only in him. They didn't grasp that. But you know, they're not alone. 2,000 years later, the Church of Christ is riven with disputes about Moses and the prophets. Are there two more controversial subjects than the law and prophecy? I don't know of any two more controversial subjects than that. People are battling about it, and without getting into the details of various schools, my concern is that few, if any, see the real connection. Listen, there is no, and I'm going to be very frank here, there is no virtue, there is no value, 
There is no glory, there is no beauty in Moses or his law except you see it in its true biblical relation to Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's why I get a wee bit worried about all these people who are on about the Ten Commandments. I'm all for the Ten Commandments. But this notion that if you just let kids read the Ten Commandments or stick them up on a courthouse wall or something, America's going to be a better country. Don't you believe it? Now, I'm all for it being in the courthouse wall or in the the atrium or whatever. I'm all in favor of that. I'm all in favor of laws that are based on the great morality of God's revelation. But let's understand the only beauty and power of the law of God is when it convicts to lead to Christ and it's Christ who transforms by His grace and His gospel to give you the grace to fulfill the law. Same with eschatology and prophecy. I read more fairy tales masquerading as Bible exposition in the realm of prophecy than anywhere else. I get sick when people come to the book of the Revelation and all they can see is the beast and the man of sin and the dragon and the old serpent, the devil. And they forget that the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408, or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 